sit back, turn the ship over to your covass and relax. We're turning on Flight Assist. Oh, seven commanders and welcome in. My name is Commander Psychit and with me, as always, is Commander Mal for the win. Greetings, Commanders. If it's your first time listening, we're glad you found us. Every week on the Flight Assist podcast, we talk to a different commander or organization. We find out a little about them, what they're up to in game, and we talk about the things we love about Elite Dangerous and its amazing community. Before things get started, we just wanted to say thanks for being here because this podcast would not be possible without the support of listeners like you. Captain MD13. The amazingness of SRV driving. Oh my gosh. Wow. I I absolutely love this human being. I love him. Yeah, he's he's an absolutely amazing content creator. He's a wonderful, wonderful commander. But more than that, he's just like good to hang around with. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's got this vibe about him that's very calming. And he's, it, I've seen him sell himself short during his streams, but he knows a lot yeah. about this galaxy. He does. And this he's game. so knowledgeable. He knows so much stuff. He is one of my, um, he is a member of PA. He is one of my, um, I have like a group of um, commanders who are um, r- helping me run the um, elite dangerous side of PA. So we have, um, we have some first officers and captain MD is um, one of those. When we, when Kremen and I said, we're, we're looking to, we're looking to recruit some people to be first officers, to be like big pillars of the um, privateers Alliance sort of community. Um, he was one of the one of the humans who stepped forwards, and I was like, "Yes, please, <laughs> no second. <laughs> You're not taking this back. You are not taking this Quick, back." Quick, approve I that want, application before you. he's allowed to say, "Well, <laughs> maybe not." I want I want you in my bloody corner. <laughs> I really do. It's um, he's even even we have like a, a little chat where I just sort of like not um, we bandy band ideas about, or I um, I'm just like, okay, this is going on let me just vent to you guys and he's there and he's there and you you know that he 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 will have an opinion and he will have like a um a sensible opinion sometimes when i am pro- i am prone to occasionally flying off the handle what um, about certain th- i know i know um, but um he is um he's got a very level head on his shoulders yeah. and i really appreciate that from a um, from someone who is um volunteering, being in charge yeah. and stuff, and yeah. um, I, I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping in the conversation that we have um today that 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 comes across. Um, uh, he is sometimes a little bit too serious for his own good, <laughs> but I I do love him to pieces. He's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's see what he has to say. Well, welcome on in, Captain MD. It's very good to see you. Thank you for taking the time out to come and speak to us. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, good to be here. So if for anyone who doesn't know who you might be, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So any basics like your commander name, if you're a content creator and how long you've been playing the game. Well, surely I am Captain MD13 uh, on Twitch. Uh, My commander name is just Captain-MD. Uh, I've been playing Elite since Elite Dangerous since uh, very late December in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was uh, I saw a uh, an older friend of mine 
stream it on Twitch one day. And I was like, wow, this, uh, the flight model looks really interesting because I am a pilot at heart because I've enjoyed like Star Fox as a kid and uh, driving games uh, later down the road. So Elite sounded like it would uh, fit my uh, fit my personality. So I uh, chose to pick it up. Uh, and later the next year in August, I started streaming in uh, 2017. Nice. Nice. That kind of answers uh, the next question a little bit, too, doesn't it? The uh, why did you get into Elite um, in the first place? Well, yeah. So um, uh, I think one thing that really captivated about me about about Elite at the time was the combat, because at the time I was watching um, my friend play a combat session doing some bounty hunting. And uh, again, driving and flying is sort of my specialty. So uh, it just fit the uh, fit the bill. So what was it about it that really appealed to you? Um, the sound design, for one thing. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. I think uh, I think we can, um, I think there's no um, doubt there. Elite's got one of the best sound designs of a space game to date, let's be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other was, it looked really pretty. Mm-hmm. It does look really nice, doesn't it? I mean, even after so many, you know, so many years of being out, it just looks good. You know, it's, it may not be like, top tier environments like we see in some of the other games, but it's really good. And from what we're seeing now, it's going to get better in several months. Oh, yes. Oh, so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for Odyssey, too. For, for sure. Absolutely. Um, can you tell me about that very first time when you logged in? Can you remember that? Can you remember your experiences as, as a brand new commander? I can. I think the first thing I remember doing was almost running out of fuel trying to get to my first delivery. Uh, <laughs> so I was making my first delivery. Uh, I was in like the stock sidewinder at the time. And uh, I think I still had my route set to economy, but it just barely couldn't get me to my destination. I was down to my last jump and I was like, oh, no, I have to basically take a gamble as to where whether or not the next system I jump to has a station in it. Luckily, it did. It just was a hundred thousand plus light seconds away. Oh no! So it was a bit of a walk, but <laughs> at the very least, I was saved from having to make a first hour call to the fuel rats. <laughs> Yikes! Oh man, I wouldn't have even know what to do. I would have just blown myself up and started over. I didn't for know sure, about the fuel definitely. rats until I'd been playing for like a year. <laughs> uh, same for me as well. I, it took me a couple of months to uh, start really browsing the elite, uh, the elite dangerous media, to start running into. Uh, streams, uh, YouTube channels, and uh, all the other advice that uh, everybody has uh, enlightened the internet to these days. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So what's the story behind Captain MD-13? By the way, we, we should we should go ahead and make the disclaimer, not a doctor, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> we, should, uh, <laughs> we should get that out of the way. Yes, not an actual doctor. The MD is actually my... <laughs> Uh, in my IRL name. And the name Captain MD actually stems from my first MMO, which was Star Trek Online. Still is Star Trek Online because oh, that game nice. is still running to this day. Yeah. Because uh, in Star Trek Online, you you are the captain of a starship. So it was supposed to be Captain, you know, MD, my name. But um, that uh, ended up sticking because uh, in my first uh, guild slash fleet, I ended up making a name for myself as sort of the the information guy going on the test server, reporting back my findings and stuff on a forum and stuff like that. So it really stuck. And I figured, you know what? I'm just going to keep this going. For science. Nice. Just, just out of curiosity, even though I know we're not, 
we're not a Star Trek online podcast, but I'm curious, are you, are you also a, um, lifetime founder subscriber? I actually, I, I have been a since launch subscriber, but I didn't lifetime subscribe until the first year anniversary when it went on sale. Yes, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been enjoying the game ever since. Although in Star Trek Online's defense, it's got a great free to play bo- model by comparison to yes. other games. Like all the content is free to play. Yeah. Yeah, it really is good. It really is good. I, I feel like it's something that I would really enjoy. I really do feel because it's because it's like the the section of like the space media that I, I actually full, fully sort of like delved into before I found Elite Dangerous and that kind of thing. I wasn't a huge Star Trek fan, but um, no other way around. I wasn't a huge Star Wars fan, but Star Trek, oh my God, I was like fully into it. So it feels like it should be something that I would really enjoy, but it's just not not anything that I've ever played. Yeah. How, how long have you been playing? How, I know that we're going on a big tangent, but how long have you been playing Star Trek um, online? Since the day after it launched, which was February, really? the day it launched was February 2nd, 2010. Oh, mm-hmm. crikey. Oh, it's been going for a while then. They're oh, celebrating, man. they're actually celebrating their 11th year anniversary right now. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Back to Elite. Pray tell me, Captain MD, um, do you um, align yourself with a squadron or a minor faction at all? She says. <laughs> I do. I've been a proud member of Privateers Alliance ever since February of 2017. Whoop, whoop. And how that story, uh, how that came about was I was watching uh, Phil Tor and Wicked Lala at the time uh, when they were streaming. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, that was around the time where, all right, it's been a couple of months I want to start really getting involved with the online community like I did for Star Trek Online and see, you know, what info is there to share? What information will I be able to spread later down the road? And I came across, across Phil and Lala's stream and uh, I was pretty much hooked on day one. Mm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You're such a, um, you're such a stalwart of PA and um, uh, Cap's one of my... Um, upper echelon type people who look after all the newbies and does that kind of thing. He's one of my first officers. So I, I lean on, I lean on the old first officers quite a bit when I, when something comes up, I'm like, lads, I need your help. So, um, that doesn't go unnoticed and I really appreciate you being there and stuff. Thank you. Just out of curiosity, did you guys meet through PA? Is that the first time you ran into each other? Uh, me and Cap, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Psych had actually rated me on my second Twitch stream ever. So, really? Uh, Did I actually? Yeah, it was your. <laughs> it was my second stream ever. Uh, I was mining. I remember specifically I was mining in the cutter. Oh, nice. Um, in a, I think it was in Delcar, because uh, that's where Paynite used to be really hot before the hotspots came forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, first stream beforehand, I think I, I had somebody who was one of my Star Trek Online buddies come and watch. and. Uh, help talk to me, be a, be a, help me ease my way into streaming. And then next, uh, next day, the same, um, viewers here. And then suddenly I see, I see a, a 30 plus person raid, And it's like, Oh wait, these are <laughs> PA names. This is amazing. <laughs> nice. Nice. I think the first time that I ran into, to, I was just surfing elite dangerous channels like at night. And I came across, I came across Captain's stream and you were in your SRV on a moon, like 
vertically jumping up the side of some ridiculously sharp incline and then going <laughs> from the top of that one, like trying to jump across to the top of another peak that you couldn't climb up. And I was just like fascinated. I was like, I have trouble getting my ship out from my SRV out from under the ship. I keep bumping into the wings or bumping into the landing gear. And like, look at this ridiculousness. Like it opened my eyes to the fact that the SRV wasn't just drive out, collect some rocks and drive back. Like you could actually have a lot of fun in it. You can. And I, but this must've been like during distant worlds too. Cause I don't recall any yes. other time I was doing uh peak, uh, peak hopping. <laughs> yep. Yep. It, it, it was, that was right around the time I started playing. I started playing like maybe a month or two before distant worlds too. Yeah. That was a great expedition in general. Yeah. Yep. Really enjoyed that one. I'm signing up for distant worlds three for sure. Oh my Same. God. Please. Uh, please I haven't done one yet. So that's definitely happening. Oh, we should go together. Mm. To my understanding, um, that is going to be done after Odyssey is released. Yeah, yep. mine too. We've heard the same thing. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of expeditions and finding expeditions and finding your way around the galaxy, what kind of resources do you use um, both in and out of game to, to help you uh, to help you kind of get to where you need to go and do what you want to do? Well, if it's my own expedition, I do. It's kind of a two step process. The first step is find the entry point. And for that, I use Spanch to just, you know, find the known neutron list and just yeet straight over there as fast as possible. And then uh, once that's done, it's really just a case of uh, pick and choose where to go and just uh, pray to the FSS. (laughs) What about when you're hopping around the bubble, when you uh, you mentioned mining, paint out mining and stuff like that? Are there any sites that you use for that or for um, for BGS or things? Uh, not these days. Uh, nowadays, I'm hooked on an older uh, Hasrez site in Omicron Ursa Majoris. There's a metallic ring with a Hasrez that also is in a painite hotspot. What? <laughs> um, and it's actually it's about only 50 ish light years from PA space too. the Corvette could actually a Corvette could actually get there from PA space without having to stop until the station. Wow. That's kind of nice. I have a mining Corvette. I'll have to try it out. Same. Uh, although the, <laughs> the cutter came first, but uh, I've actually um, gotten really surprised as to how versatile the Corvette is as a short range uh, miner and cargo carrier. It's a beautiful yeah. ship. You're not going to get any arguments from me. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that can make the Corvette better is if it was a Gudemeyer ship. No, no, <laughs> no. The only thing that could make the Corvette bigger is if that large hard point wasn't in such an awkward position right in the bottom yeah. of the ship. That would be, yeah. that's my complaint about it. None of this Guttermeyer nonsense. None no, of, none of your fancy about. lights. I don't know, given the uh, <laughs> given the article that came out on February 2nd concerning the whole core dynamics uh, Halsey trial kerfuffle. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows where that's going to end up, huh? I think it was I think it was around February 2nd. It was around that day or yesterday or the yeah. day before. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Um, you're, when you're playing, what what do you use to play? What's your preferred control scheme? Is it, do you use keyboard and mouse? Are you a HOTAS, HOSAS player? Is it a gamepad? Uh, HOTAS. Uh, I used to have a SciTech X52, but the um, the flight stick itself went into a sort of auto-yaw problem where it okay. just kept on yanking to the right sometimes. And it basically, the stick became useless. So I decided to swap out for a... Uh, T16,000M uh, Thrustmaster uh, HOTUS that was on sale for Cyber Monday that year in 2019, I want to say. Okay. How are you finding it in comparison? 
It's pretty good, although unfortunately my deploy hardpoint button has uh, gotten busted. That didn't last long. Oh no! It's, uh, it's luckily there's like tons of replacement buttons, so I've had to do a little finagling. But uh, that's the nice thing about Elite; you only have to bind your keys once, and after that, unless something breaks, it's generally solid. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Out of curiosity, on the T16000M, did you do? Uh, did you swap out the damping grease on the throttle? Uh, not at all. Oh. It's a, it's a super quick fix and it makes the throttle feel like you spent twice as much on it as you really did. Fascinating. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I was re- like, I didn't believe every- everybody says has been saying that on the forums and stuff. And then I was like, eh, f- whatever I'll do it. And I did it. And it was like, oh my gosh, this thing is so nice. It's so wonderful. It changes the feel of it completely. Hmm. It's good stuff. Just, you know, if you get bored one weekend and, or taking the throttle apart for any other reason. It's just pull the base plate off, wipe down the rails, put the new uh, dampening grease on, like NioGel 767A is really good stuff, and then put it back together, and it's like a whole new monster. I'm going to have to uh, keep in mind of that, because, yeah, there's a, couple of, um, there's a couple of space games coming out that I might end up using the HOTUS for. I know Everspace 2 is still is in early access um, yeah. as of right now, but um, I don't know. I'm not sure that game is... Um, based on my demo test, I'm not sure how good HOTUS works with it. That might be better for controller. Yeah. Yep. I felt the same way about, um, in the black, it's, uh, it didn't feel very good with, uh, with sticks, with dual sticks and granted it's still in like alpha at this point. So, um, lots of changes to come, but controller, it felt much, much, much better because it was, it's a little more arcadey. And I feel like the more arcadey games, do seem a little bit easier to play or, or make a little more sense with a controller as opposed to, you know, a full flight rig. Mm. It's more like the flight model for Everspace. It's more arcadey than it is simulator ish. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think when you hit when you hit an arcade game, um, Rebel Galaxy Outlaws springs to mind for me. Um, yeah, when, Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, when the when you lose the your the your aspect, um, when that's or, or like, sorry lateral thrusters, not your when yeah, you lose yeah. lateral thrusters, um, which um, that for me then that makes it feel a little bit more arcadey. Um, mm-hmm. That's when you go that's when I feel like making the move over to a controller instead um, is, yeah. a, is a, a, like a more comfortable scenario with a proper simulator, like elite is like um, Microsoft flight sim. And those kind of things are having the tangible um, uh, HOTAS or HOSAS for um, uh, elite is it's so heightening for the gaming experience. Yeah. I feel I sound like such a snob when I say stuff much, like that. Much more immersive. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's led to yeah. some really precise plasma accelerator shots on the power plant, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. True. Um, what would you say you are best at in the game? Uh, best at? Well, uh, I'm kind of a jack of all. I would say jack of all trades with the exception of PvP. Right. Uh, just because, you know. When I have an when I have an objective, I want to get it done ASAP. Although when I stream, usually I'll do it in open because I find it more entertaining for the audience at home when something does happen, um, which is has been pretty rare. But um, I say that and uh, probably uh, jinxing myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's generally uh, been a. Um, nice to go out and explore every once in a while. It really just depends on what is happening in the galaxy. Like if there's a lore event, like the Adamaster right. incident last year, 
or the um the imperial penal colony that was discovered on the week of the last week of january um those are the kind of events that really get my attention because i do like puzzles yeah um i was a huge fan of the old eagle eye puzzles um before the thargoid incursion started yeah i'm so bummed that i wasn't around when that was happening that would that looks like so much fun i was and i missed all of it I, I, I like all of it just flew directly over my head. I was not paying attention when that happened. I remember, um, Cap, you used to post pretty regularly in the PA Discord about them. And I was like, oh, this is something that's happening that I had no clue of. And now sort of like going back and looking at them from like a, a retrospectively, um, it's they're really interesting and I wish I'd been a little bit more on hand to play about with solving them. Cause I really like a puzzle as well. Yeah. I have to thank, uh, I have to thank Malik VR for getting me into the Eagle Eye puzzles. Cause I saw him working on it one day and I was like, wait a minute, this is numbers and, uh, uh descrambling. This is stuff I'm already na- naturally pretty good at. So I figured, all right, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot myself. And uh, it worked out really well. And I remember one week in particular where I had a hat trick of Thargoid encounters. And the first one was like, as soon as I started my first jump to the first Eagle Eye satellite, it's like, oh, it's it must be Thargoid Thursday because Cap's getting interdicted already. <laughs> yep. Thargoid Thursdays. That's That's something that I would not mind if that came back, you know, if like. We had to build a new if they could do a community goal where we had to build a new Eagle Eye network out in in like the Colsack Nebula to monitor Thorgoid activity and start getting us some puzzles and stuff. I'd I'd be I'd be okay with that. More puzzles, please. Yeah, I would I wouldn't <laughs> mind a few sound puzzles in like Odyssey as well, which I, I hope we do get. Mm-hmm. I think we I I I'd like to think that we are gonna get um some of those those more sort of um, technical things to look at and like think looking at things through spectrographs and things like that. It's just stuff like that is I I was, I'm a big fan of ARGs and like watching people solve Mm -hmm. ARGs in general. I sit in um, quite a few discords that and watch people talk about solving the ARGs and sit there and think, and I helped by just being there and lending my moral support. So um, I'd love to see more of that again rather than so you enjoy the you enjoy the puzzle aspect would you say that's probably your favorite thing to do in game when they throw some new puzzles at us uh yes okay Uh, i would say puzzles are my favorite but i do also enjoy the uh, the occasional you know conflict zone bounty hunting i'm a big fan of the uh what i call the bait and blast strategy right where you load your ship up with a little bit of cargo like say spare carrier tritium or something of generally high value but you put right. it on a giant Corvette and all the pirates <laughs> stay with you rather than go off and do their own thing after they're done scanning you. So rather than you right. chasing them everywhere, they just come to you. But you do end up getting about seven ships shooting at you at one time, possibly more. Oh, wow. So you got to be uh, you got to be quick on your feet or quick on the uh, on the trigger to not end up dead. Quick on um, the trigger, quick on the <laughs> pips and make sure there's a good point defense turret on your ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those Otherwise, hash breaker limpets and all that stuff is. Uh, I found out about those the hard way. Although something I learned recently is that if a hatch breaker limpet hits you when you have mission related cargo in your inventory, I don't think it actually disrupts your mission cargo. Does it not? Really? 
At least it hasn't for me. I don't know if that's a bug or um, just something that they added in to make it less of a pain in the backside to collect um, (laughs) mission critical cargo again. Hmm. Interesting. Is there any um, area that you don't participate in 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 a league that you would like to? I know you mentioned that you weren't particularly a master of PvP. Is that is that something or? It's honestly, it's not really something that's on my to-do list of things to learn, considering that there's already so much other stuff going on in Elite that um, has my attention right now with the A, the current story, B, making sure PA's BGS doesn't uh, go crazy overnight like it does in X-Pal <laughs> almost all the time. <laughs> it's happened. Although I think my only... Um, the only downside about BGS work is that there's no way to see your progress in real time. So, yeah. you know, come the next day when you've done 20 missions, but you've still lost one day in the uh, the election or the war, it's it can be a bit frustrating. It can. Yeah. It absolutely can. It's um, I wish there was a way um, there was a better way to see things in more real time um, for sure. It's um, Having to wait until for one, I understand why you have to wait until one ticket day because it's a lot of information to process and that kind of thing. But it's you, you do go into the BGS a little bit blind a lot of the time. Yeah, I think I remember we had a um, incident with our sister faction in Colonia a few, uh, I think it was the middle of last, sometime last year, once or twice. And I remember having to, or feeling compelled rather to drop what I was doing and, uh, rush over there fast, which made me realize that the neutron highway is an amazing thing. (laughs) Yes. Right. That's a, I I was lucky in that when I came into the game, I came in basically specifically for distant worlds too. And, um, learned about the neutron highway pretty much right off the bat. Like I can't imagine not having the ability to scoop from a neutron star or, um, you know, if things are, things are going bad and you like, like tempting fate trying to scoot from a white dwarf don't do it don't do it people <laughs> and yeah don't. no it's, they uh, hate you and they hate your it. ship it's really not worth um, it it's it's not pleasant <laughs> yeah. burn your synthesis yeah. materials just go to the outtots crystalline shards and use material trading to reload it's really easy yep yep much easier than trying to scoot from white dwarf but yeah yeah i agree the neutron highway is a wonderful thing get to colonia in a handful of hours a quick session and help out with bgs good yeah. stuff I partook in the Buckyball, I think it was the Buckyball Racing Club, uh, Sagittarius, uh, not Sagittarius A. Um, I did take part in that A-Star Challenge as well, but um, I took part in their Colonia Dash event last year, and uh, I ended up with a time of about 96 minutes. Wow. That's insane. That's insane. I mean, but for, <laughs> for comparison, the uh, first place was like in the upper 70 minutes range. So it's like that by comparison it's to me. It's still insane. Don't, don't nullify your achievement because that, yes. like the um, the amount of time, um, I, I, I can do I can do a dash to Colonia in like maybe two and a half hours. So the fact that you are, you are um, 90 something minutes is wild to me. It really is. You're t- you're getting to Colonia in the amount of time that some people take to get to Hutton Orbital. Like that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember that event too. The uh, Operation Hot Mess. That was a good yes. time. Yes, I. Uh, yes, that was good. We don't talk about that on this podcast because I get PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I spent four. So I think many I spent months. Four whole. I spent at least four whole weeks 
only doing yep. that. And it was only, yep. it got to the point where I was only doing planetary landings because I was in a bloody um, uh, cutter. So yep. I couldn't land on any of the medium pad state. Oh, oh, it wound me up something chronic. <laughs> and you had like 500 mugs. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I, it's, it's funny you say that because I actually, um, I thought about it before we came, uh, we came on the air and I, I punched that up and yeah, I only, I, I have the totals and I only delivered, I do, well, I don't, I shouldn't say only, but I think I, my final total was 219. Oh yeah. That's a lot of mugs. Yeah. I think I, I just took months. one. I think I just took one crate load. That uh, would have been, I, that would have been a, that would have been a good time to have a fleet carrier. Yes. Yeah, oh, shame, heck, yeah. It would have been amazing. Yeah, it's a shame those wouldn't be a thing until later in the year. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, I feel like there were probably a lot of people who participated in the um, in the uh, in the mug event and just basically ended up at the end of the wait. A mug's been delivered to every station. Okay, I still have like four hundred mugs left in my hold. What am I going to do? Somewhere, somewhere, there's a moon with thousands and thousands of Hutton mugs, like half buried in the dirt, like the old. Um, uh, E.T. Atari cartridges in the landfill. Oh, I like heard about Like somewhere there's a pile of hidden, <laughs> hidden Hutton mugs just waiting to be found by some explorer. I remember a story about that a long time ago. <laughs> yep. Yeah, in that case, just, you know, find a good spot 150 light years away from Alpha Centauri. You'll make a nice buck. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's, exactly. That's my plan right now uh, <laughs> to take... Um, 10,000 tons of liquor up to Rackham's Peak. Oh, nice. Nice. Rackham's Peak is something that I didn't get to participate in either that I really wish I I had uh I'd gotten to go up there when that was, you know, kind of just when it was the community goal and it was in the process of happening. I've gone up there once, man. I'm not doing I'm not taking you again. I'm not taking people again. <laughs> it wasn't a uh, I don't think it was a community goal, but uh, no, that it, it was a um yeah. And um, I uh, from what I understand, it's not too crowded up there in terms of carrier space. So I shouldn't have any issues finding parking. Right. Right. That's always a problem with the fleet. carrier. That's the only problem with the fleet carriers, finding parking spaces, <laughs> finding parking and having to micromanage the jumps every 20 minutes is about it. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice to be able to plot a longer route. Mm. The good thing about Rackham, though, is um, the fact that when you get up there, you there's, there's, there's not a lot else that you can do. So once you've been there, it's like, OK, um, I'll, I'll spend like a few hours having a look around, taking some shots because it, don't get me wrong. It is beautiful and incredible to be out there. Um, I think that the Burr Pit have done Rini's mm-hmm. done a couple of beauty shots of it and you can you can well imagine what they look like. Um but it's it's a really glorious um site. But once you've been to what's there, it, you, there's no other option to turn around and come back. So I think that's probably why you you have parking space up there. And yeah, once you're done there, there's really unless you plan on delivering another ten thousand tons of liquor, there's um there isn't really much else going on up there besides the view, mm. which is, I'm sure, spectacular because the, the highest peak I visited was the um, original peak as labeled on EDSM. That is right. uh, during Distant Worlds 2. It's near the core somewhere. Uh, I don't remember right off the top of my head, but that was the highest peak we could conceivably reach with our current with our pre fleet carrier equipment. Right. And yeah, uh, I remember that. 
it took a while to get there. I remember scouring mm-hmm. the forums for at least a good 30 plus minutes to find a post of somebody who had listed the systems down and what the jump ranges needed to be. Yeah. And uh took a while, but I got there. Yeah, I um I was on my way up there, I think. I don't, did I, I think so. I think I had just left Sagittarius A because it was, uh, Goliath's Rest was on that, that little, uh, that segment as well, if I'm remembering correctly, which is another pretty high up location. And on my way up to Goliath's Rest, I, um, I died. I had a, I had a high G landing incident. We'll, we'll put it that way. Ooh. But luckily I had just been at Sag A and had sold all my data. So I didn't have any data really built up at that point. So I was like, oh, okay, woo, that's okay. And then uh, went from there on to to the peak. And it really is freaking gorgeous up there. That is probably the biggest sigh of relief you will ever make in this game is that when you have taken a death, but you just got rid of all of your expendable um, expendable (laughs) items. Yep. Whether it's cargo or exploration data or bounty vouchers or whatever. And then you're like, man, I'm so glad I stopped at that station. (laughs) Absolutely. Although um, going back to... um, it, that's uh, I remember what I was thinking about 10 minutes ago when you were talking about the long neutron trip, uh, the long trip to Colony without neutrons. I, I kind of sampled that a little bit when I was lugging my cutter of uh, pod samples to Colonia for the um, Holloway Biological Institute CG mm-hmm. um, in early January. Right. Yeah. The cutter's range laden at the time, even with the booster, was only 37 light years. Not a long trip took a few days <laughs> i've done i've done a 37 light year trip um like max trip to colonia and um i think that was in a crate mark too when i was taking my art account out there and um i said to said to myself at the end of it i'm never ever doing that again it's either it's going to be like a minimum of 45 if i'm if i'm going to take any ship out there so i ended up managing to um catch a lift on someone's fleet carrier who was going out there with my corvette because it was it was soul destroying man <laughs> it is it's it's very draining i think the second longest trip was i actually did take my mining cutter to sagittarius a to partake in the second mining cg and the closest place you can get uh that had a station between colonia and sag was colonia oh wow uh, yeah so there, there was no there were no checkpoints in between so at one of the waypoints, it was like, okay, let's run to Colonia, switch over to the mining cutter, spare the expense to uh, send it over, and mm-hmm. uh, just bring it up. Although I was impressed. I remember during my mining uh, events, uh, somebody did bring their Type 10 for the bounty hunting CG. Oh. And as it turns out, and I uh, upon investigation on Coriolis, I realized, wait a minute, the Type 10 can actually pack a very respectable jump range when unladen. Uh, around yeah. the 50 plus light year mark. Yep. Yeah. I remember seeing a few of them on, uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing a few of them on distant worlds too, and was kind of surprised to come across them. I was like, what? Yeah. The reason for that is the types, uh, 10 is the third ship now that can use a class seven frame shift drive. Yeah. Big frame shift drive is good. Big frame shift drive, but it runs a little hot, especially if you're in the beluga. Yeah, that's true. The beluga does get a little bit toasty. I um my my rescue ship or the ship that I'd like to take in for like rescue stuff, even though it's not the best for number of passengers, but it's really fun to fly is the dolphin. Um and it runs really cool uh when you're going into a, you know, a station that's on fire. 
Um, just lots of little trips instead of big trips um, as far as passenger count goes. But the first time I was in a Beluga, I, I noticed that it's like, I feel like this ship runs considerably hotter than my other South Kruger ships. Um, but that may just also be my engineering. I'm not the best at engineering. I just kind of play around with stuff until I find something I like. <laughs> yeah. I think actually it also, um, at some point, uh, of about a year plus ago, I think the dolphins, uh, heating was actually toned down so that it takes uh, a lot more effort to heat it up, but it does take more heat damage. And as a result of that, it's possible for a dolphin to, with a low emissions power plant to scoop up at point blank range to a star while charging their four a frameshift drive and not cooking. Wow. I have, okay. I'm going to try that this afternoon. (laughs) I think it requires a low emissions power plant. It might require clean drive engines as well, but I'm not sure if that has an effect on super cruise heat. Gotcha. Hmm. That's a good point. That is actually one thing that I do enjoy is engineering ships, like theory crafting on Coriolis. And that's another thing I will do on my stream is that if folks want to, if folks want me to look over a build for them, I'll um, ask a few, you know, prelude questions to make sure I have everything set up. It's like, do you want me to add engineering or is anything else in particular you want? Plus or minus guardian modules, the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That's a good service too. Sorry, the whole nine light yards. (laughs) (laughs) so we we kind of mentioned um uh you know uh calling the fuel rats and like if you run it like if you uh if you see the uh the coveted revi screen and uh have just dumped your uh your expendables off at a station and that feeling of happiness when you run into trouble in game like when things do go horribly wrong who is it that you typically turn to well, to be honest, to this day, I've not had to call a um, to call a fuel rat or a hull seal. I've gotten close nice. on a. Uh, I think it was my third most recent trip to Colonia. I literally had to go to the B star to gas up because I couldn't even neutron jump out. Oh yeah, I was literally on my last pixel or uh, my last uh, small line of fuel, as the saying goes. Luckily, mm-hmm. it had a B star that was again a hundred thousand plus light seconds away, but reachable. I love it when that happens, when you get into a system and you're like, oh, no, this is it. I'm going to have to either make the call or it's time for the suicide winder trip. Yeah. And then you look and you're like, there's a B star. There's a B. Please tell me it's scoopable. Please tell me it's KGB foam. And you check the, the system app. And you're like, yes, I'm on my way there. It's only, you know, two million light seconds <laughs> away. I don't care. I don't care. Please, small line, please hold out. I'm used to two million light seconds, though. Back when Smeaton Orbital was a uh, frequent money making strategy. Uh, oh, that was that was before my time, I think. Yeah, the, the in the tune system, uh, T-U-N, for, um, to spell it out, uh, there used to be uh, cargo runs to Smeet and Orbital, because at that particular point, uh, distance, a uh, light second distance played a very heavy factor in the payouts. Mm-hmm. And you could have a large number of, it might have even been passenger missions as well, passenger or cargo missions to Smeet and Orbital. And it's 1.8 million light seconds away. So it is a 40-minute walk. But... Uh, the payouts were astounding. Yeah. If, like if you could like watch, watch something on another screen or something that became for a little while, that was <laughs> hugely popular. I think I remember, I think I know uh, some cases where people just put another game on and uh, streamed another a game <laughs> yeah, within a game. Exactly. exactly. That's, that's madness. And what about um if, 
if there's something that you you see or you like more of a technical aspect something that you don't really maybe understand or you don't you don't recognize or if you're you're struggling with something is there is there someone that you turn with that rather than sort of like people helping you out in game i think um usually when that happens i just consult youtube mm-hmm. usually if i've seen it somebody else has put a video on it yeah um although if it's something more comical like driving through a star when you're dropping out of warp a couple of times in a row uh, that's not really something I consult YouTube on. That's something I consult uh, my sanity for. <laughs> Fair. Fair. It happened like twice during uh, Distant Worlds 2 around around Beagle Point. Uh, I remember passing through two separate star systems that had uh, that had me going right through stars Oof. on the dropout. Luckily, it did not result in, in... Yeah. <laughs> it's on my to-do list to invest in VR, but I need to get a better machine because right now i'm running on a laptop which is about as old as my elite career and is starting to show its age (laughs) (laughs) what is your when you think about like you you've got a you've got a lot of hours in the game when you think about um all of those hours is this something that stands out as your fondest memory or the most amazing thing that's happened to you in elite dangerous well, actually, uh, there's two that come out. The first was uh, the night I became elite in combat. Uh, that was, I think, my last elite. And I was in open that night with a with a wingman. And I was getting chased um, I, by, uh, I think it was by stream snipers. Either way, people who wanted to uh, have a piece of my vulture. Uh, and so that was a scenario where, all right, it's time to... Uh, it's time to initiate open play protocol. So first thing, send the wingman home, find safety, um, fi- so find safety for them, not worth the rebuy. Because uh, it was like at least two, three plus ships. I was not about to uh, take the two of us because I was only in the Vulture, which it's a great mm-hmm. little battle crew, a uh, little battle frigate, but it does not have the firepower to tank, uh, to take on a big ship just because of how, um, how strong shields can be these days. So, right. Ultimately, what ended up happening is I was ending up being pursued by, I, it, it felt like forever, but I think it was more like just a bit over a half an hour. Ultimately, um, I ended up evading the majority of my pursuers, save for one, and outwitted them in a low res after getting the attention of the cops. So I ended up fighting oh, them nice. on the spot, and they had to bail once their uh, hull started draining. Um, so I think... Um, and shortly after that, I finally got, it was right before I hit elite. Um, it was just about, it was like deadly 96% or something like that. And I remember that in particular, cause I think I remember some people, some of the other PVPers telling me that that was actually, um, that I actually earned quite a bit of respect that day nice. Oh, nice for, for not like, you know, switching out to solo on the fly or something like that. That's fair. And, uh, kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier that uh, when something does go wrong and it's more and it's it feels more entertaining for the audience at home when you're able to you know deal with it on the spot and you know come up with a battle plan and execute it uh i wouldn't say perfectly but uh, cuz it did still result in a pretty bad hammering on the vulture but ultimately it was a good uh a good and unexpected but adaptable PV- pvp fight right so I felt I felt really good about that. The second was um, I was out scouting for guardian sites, and I made a first discovery, um, and I was flat out not expecting it because 
uh, nowadays we can find Guardian sites easily, new stuff easily, thanks to the FSS just outright telling us. But before then, you had to take advantage of, and I think this glitch still works, of a sort of forward targeting glitch where if a a long, uh, if a landmark like a planetary base or a um, Thargoid structure is on a planet, for some reason, if you look at that planet straight on, for some reason, your next your target next button will occasionally, the next target ahead will flicker a lot. And that's sort of the indication that there might be a guardian site there. And ultimately, that ended up being the case because the planet uh, that I found the site on was actually not discovered yet, but the system had been passed through. So what ultimately ended up happening is I ended up getting uh, responsibility for five guardian ruin sites total on two planets. That's so cool. Oh, wow. Um, that's, That's so really cool, cool to have yeah. your name against something like that. I'd love my name against something like that. I'd love my name against any sort of new fancy discovery like that. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. I haven't gone scouting for Guardian stuff in a while. I don't know if there's been any new discoveries. Um, I've been kind of behind the bandwagon on that since I haven't uh, done my Guardian speedruns, which is something I used to enjoy doing as well. I used to um, make a habit of performing the Ramta guardian ruins uh lore scan missions um and that was actually a lot of fun too just routing it out getting an excel spreadsheet together um the only downside was when actually performing the run uh having only one monitor and a phone to uh consult all of your images and your route and your uh gameplay uh required a lot of alt tabbing (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah i can see where that would be a little bit difficult (laughs) Ultimately, I would like to redo those now with fleet carriers because one of the advantages of fleet carriers is the ability to just directly yeet to any planet that you've um, you've seen, essentially. Yeah, that's true. Right. And that effectively skips, you know, hours potentially of supercruise travel. So That's a really good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And some of the older routes that I kind of adopted uh, did involve some long trips. Although one system I tried to filter out had a 90,000 light second trip to go to, uh, to one site. But, um, I have to thank the folks at the Canon research group for that one, because they, uh, they have these nice detailed maps of where all of the lore scans are. Right. And, um, ultimately that's, uh, at first I had, I was like, okay, how do I get the 101 scans? And then it became, okay, what sites can I iron out to reduce the super cruise travel? Oh yeah. Cut the time down so that you get those, get to them quicker. Yeah. And I think ultimately the best time I got for the one-on-one scan mission was, you know, I got to consult my VODs for this because I think I highlighted a few of them. I think it was slightly over three hours. Slightly over three hours. That's, that's got to be beatable with the fleet carrier though, right? I would imagine it is now for sure. But, um, yeah, and that was, um, I think that's the last one I highlighted, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't think I've done any of the Ramta stuff. I should probably run through that just for the just for the experience, you know? Same, man. Never done it. It's a good excuse to get caught up on all the Guardian lore as well, because you have to get all the scans for credit. And they give you four weeks for both the 101 scan and the Guardian structure codex scan missions, which is not even as many scans. It's only 28, I think. That one, I think my right? fastest time was closer to 90 minutes. Ah, I've I've heard that you can get to Colonia in that amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another race uh, that I took part in for a time was the A Star Challenge, getting from Soul mm-hmm. to Sag A, not Soul, I think, but 
from relatively close to Sol to Sage uh, as quick as possible. And I remember one time I was on a pace for sub two hours until I accidentally double tapped the drop button in a neutron cone. Oh, no. Now, in fairness, I did wiggle out of it and complete the run. But by that point, the canopy was already busted and I had no new data because I'd already taken the route beforehand. So I was like, you know what? Saves me the trouble yeah. of coming back. <laughs> That's <Yep>. true. <laughs> That's true. I don't think I've attempted that run and not suicided back to the bubble. Yeah. Yep. I don't think there's been a Take point the where I've ship and just like <laughs> it's just expensive. <laughs> Cuz you're doing it. Yeah. You're doing it in a pretty well kitted out anaconda um yep. to get the expensive to get the ship, best jump lots range. of engineering. Lots yeah. of engineering and then you did it cuz money. It's actually it's um, one thing that I actually found to be very interesting with plotting those long range races is that as it turns out, maximum possible range is not the best way to go because otherwise you're stopping every three times to gas up. So ultimately mm-hmm. what ended right. up happening is I made sure my Conda could jump like 12 or 13 times before stopping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let, that's something that um I've always done with those races is um making like per next to extra one maybe two fuel tanks try and get that optimum i try and put make it and this is this is really nerdy i try and make it so um i do one stop just to refuel and then the following stop i refuel and then afmu and it normally sits um, it's normally pretty much bang on 80 percent when i get to that um, that neck that that second stop, or it might be seventy nine, and I might have cooked it a little bit. But um, yeah, I love that. I, I love like trying to trying to work out the most optimal thing. I think it's like proper min maxing <laughs> with your ships. Yeah, yeah, that is something. And I, actually, I never had answered finished answering your question about like tools use. And Coriolis has just been amazing on the, on building ships, getting the right engineering. Mm you know, getting the exact power capacity so I could still squeeze in low emissions or armor G5, preferably. Yep, that's good. So so what, of all the things that we've talked about, what did, or even something we haven't talked about, what would you say it is that keeps drawing you back to to play Elite over and over again? I would say it is, um, especially with the recent release on the Epic Game Store, the new community members coming in, they're still, you know, some are still coming in and even, after that, you know, some are still coming in looking for help. And the last thing I want them to do is to, uh, you know, be lost all the time. And uh, if they come onto my stream, I want to make sure that I can, you know, make sure they're all squared away, at least with mm-hmm. the basics. Right. The last thing I want to do is, you know, I'll, I'll gladly reveal the, you know, the secrets to, you know, uh, investors hate them. Why, uh, th- why this commander makes 200 million credits in one hour. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, um, the one thing is um, I try to avoid helping uh, letting people getting burnt out because um, it has I, I, I've seen many cases where, you know, people make to get the highest end ship so fast. And I think one thing that helped me stay in elite was that I didn't grind up to an anaconda right away. I stayed in the aspect explorer for a time, actually. Which uh, was surprisingly competent in combat for a bit. Yeah. Yep, I think um I think that's one of the one of the things that um we've um talked about before um here is um there's very much a um 
very much like a appreciate appreciate the newer ships as well or, or appreciate the the earlier ships don't grind to and, and look at my sister for example who when i'm going to go and i'm going to go and get this anaconda and i'm going to do absolutely everything that i can or i'm going to work up to the anaconda she got in the anaconda and within i think a week she sold it because she's like, now nah, this ship's not for me. Um, I'm going yeah. to now go back and experience all of the other ships, all of the early, early things that we would potentially class as early game ships. Um, and she's potting around in her, um, uh, her aspect explorer and she's bloody loving it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It really is so subjective, isn't it? Mm. Which does yeah. lead me very nicely onto the next question. Um, if you, were to uh, if you were able to go back to your very first day as a brand new commander in Elite Dangerous and give yourself one piece of advice, what what would that piece of advice be? Oh, that is a very good question. I think that piece of advice would probably be. You know, I'm honestly not sure. Uh... Ooh. <laughs> I love this question. I know, right? It changes for me. It changes every time as well. Yeah, best piece of advice I could give myself would be. This is weird because I'm so used to giving other people advice, but uh, you know, for my for me, if I were to give myself advice, it would be for crying out loud, don't go to a dotted line area on the map. You okay. do not want. To, you don't want to almost have to call the fuel rats again. <laughs> Makes sense. There's a, there's a lot of those little things that you don't you don't uh, the game doesn't really teach you like what exactly does that dotted line mean? Like you kind of have to figure it out the hard way, or kind of or like take the time to look at it and go, okay, I see fuel star here, and after that, there's a lot of dotted lines. Well, I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> it's funny you mention that actually, because the fuel star designation wasn't even a thing at the time I uh, at the time I started. Oh wow, that so, wasn't a thing until I think beyond chapter four. So that was a, a later to the game thing. Yes, uh, the fuel stars were added uh, around the time of distant, uh, a bit before distant worlds too. I think, or in that update, I think. Actually, one more thing I think I would give advice to myself is. Uh, Continue to get to know people. Yeah. Because if there's one thing I've learned is that there is an amazing community in Elite. And it's amazingly diverse, too. We've seen so many different amazing characters and personalities. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a weird feeling. To, the, so to kind of to kind of piggyback an, an idea on that, um, I know that there are people who I served with in the Army that I haven't talked to in 15 years. But if they called me and they needed something, I would be right there. It'd be like we could pick up right where we left off. Right. Right. And I feel like a lot of the connections I make in elite are the same way. Um, I met somebody, you know, a year ago, year and a half or somebody I, I flew around with for a little bit in distant worlds, too. If they reached out to me in a DM on Twitter or Discord or something like that, it would it would be connecting with an old friend as opposed to, oh, that's somebody I used to game with. Sure. Let's pick up for with like no emotion attached. They're like. It, it's it's this it's almost that same sort of um kind of we you know we served in the army together slash we served in the pilots federation together sort of <laughs> feeling like this feeling of camaraderie that we have this thing in common and 
we're going to go different directions to the opposite ends of the galaxy. But at some point, we might meet up at that bar in Sagittarius A and be and just pick up where we left off and and still feel that camaraderie. Right. Yeah, I hope like in maybe two years, somebody who maybe we maybe I met in a lead a long time ago comes back. I would lo- I would love to have a similar feeling. Yeah, I think with Odyssey coming out, I think we're st- we're gonna we're gonna see some of like the older faces. Yeah, uh, sort of rear their ugly heads, come back out the woodwork. Yep, and I think it's gonna be. I, I think it's gonna there's gonna be that sense of welcoming back new friends, um, welcoming back old friends, and mixing the two. I'd like to think that that's gonna happen rather than a big gap. <laughs> I think yeah. it will. If especially if the story continues to like really, you know, hit the ground running as it has been doing since last October. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which I'm glad it has because the uh, that gap in 2020 was uh, not pleasant. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I mean, I understand it's so why. It's nice to see things developing and changing, you know. I understand why it had to happen. But at the same time, it's still uh, it was tough to uh, try and keep uh, keep things at, keep the keep my own story going when the story of the game kind of just came to a screeching halt. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very true. Um, so since we, since we've kind of brought up, uh, you know, the potential of seeing some old faces return to the game in Odyssey, um, what either something that we know about already or something that you're hoping for, what are you most looking forward to when Odyssey drops? I am looking forward to seeing how the world of elite gets transferred to on foot. I mean, we've already seen the dev diaries, but I'm now very curious to like look inside a station. I don't know if the station, uh, if the docking um, area will be visible in real time from the ground. I imagine it will be given the settlements right. as well, but um, that's something I really cannot wait to see in like much more detail. Like I, um, like uh, I do plan on testing out the, um, the alpha and betas once uh, those do get uh, through the uh, once those do finally slide through. Right. Oh, man. I'm going to be I all can't over wait. that. I can't. <laughs> cannot wait. Cannot wait. I want to I want to do I want to go do some pew pews, but in space. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I think so. I just want to shoot a gun. <laughs> I think the only my the only thing I wish would it be different about Odyssey is that we could have different uh, upgrades to like SRVs and stuff, because yeah. I think uh at the time uh, of the like early February Q and uh, last week, uh, the late January Q and A, um, SRVs are not planning for any engineering mm-hmm. right. or any new versions. I don't think. I don't. I haven't. I haven't yeah. seen them mention new versions yet. I I I know that they're concentrating on the Omfa experience, and that's that's understandable because of how bigger. Uh, bigger section of Odyssey it is. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if later down the line they not, maybe not SOV engineering, but it wouldn't surprise me if later on down the line they bought modular SOVs to the game. Yeah, right. Some that have maybe like high cargo but low speed, yeah. or high speed but low cargo, yeah. or enhanced uh, uh, passenger multi crew. Yeah, yeah. That's one element that I haven't really experimented a whole lot with just because in its initial release, it, there was a lot of jank that mm. had to be sorted out. Yeah. I yep. think, I think that's something that they've been concentrating on really heavily is trying to get, trying to get the, the problems with the multi crew sorted so that the, that section of the game, which is from my understanding, pretty instrumental, um, is actually, 
it, it has is not as um, difficult or um, or tricky to tricky to um, maintain uh, a stable connection. Unstable, unstable was the word I was looking for. For those of you wondering. <laughs> Okay. Um, what can what can we expect from Captain MD going forward in the future with Elite? Well, with Elite, uh, once Odyssey comes out, definitely expect to see a lot of uh, on foot action. Um, if there is, uh, I think one thing I would like to see is if the SRV can interact with settlements in other ways besides running into stuff mm-hmm. and being an improvised uh, and being an improvised battering ram. I, yes. I I imagine that would be a case. I hope that is, but. Uh, I am very, I'm just looking forward to, um, from what I've seen, it's going to look real pretty, but I, at this point, I really just want to actually get my hands on it. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be great to like, actually get to like the stuff we've been seeing in the dev diary to be on the other side of that, to be controlling those characters and, and really test the limits of like, what can we do on foot? You know, like you were saying, what can we interact with now that we couldn't before? Um, even 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 not even thinking about like what new stuff are they going to add for us to interact with just like what can i do i have a body for the first time ever like <laughs> what what trouble can i get into now and it's going to be more it's going to be in my case more like how much trouble can i get people out of yeah yep yeah, that's true that's true what whether or not that involves me getting in trouble uh that <laughs> remains to be seen <laughs> Especially considering from what it sounds like, we've got separate mission boards for space and ground. Yeah. Which I wonder, I wonder if you are still going to be able to go to complete a ground mission in a ship with the old dumb fire missile strat. Oh yeah. Uh, Hmm. I doubt it. um, Because from what I understand, there are, there essentially is going to be a like a strength and weakness triangle. Right. For like SRVs good against this, people good against this, ships good against this. Yep. Or ships need to wait for the people to do this. Yeah. I kind of hope that it, it, with with separation of space and ground missions, uh, as far as mission boards go, it would be neat to see them implement something where you have um, missions on the, on the ground mission board that reflect some of the missions that are happening on the space mission board, board and vice versa from two different sides of a, a, like a conflict or a mission. So you might have a um, bolster or reinforce the security at a settlement on the ground and then air support for them. And then that would be a mission on the on the spaceport. And then you would also have the opposite side of that, where a ground forces and a space support for the other faction that's a, that's going after. It would just be neat to see to see all of that reflected in the mission boards and to see those mission boards interact with each other through the missions. Hey. There's people going to do this on the planet. They need air support or there's people providing air ready to provide air support. Would you like to go join a ground team like that? That sort of thing would be really, really neat to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I think I'm more curious to how the community interaction will be for this. So like, mm. are you going to, how many people can fit in a settlement or do a mission? I imagine the wing size quote unquote is still going to be the same for people. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm just looking forward to see the variety of settlements and uh, just what we're looking to find. I'm also kind of curious to see if exploration, how exploration is going to factor in, because we know there's the plant harvesting tool right? Uh, that they announced near the first dev diary. So I'm kind of curious if that is going to 
like if I find something like how significant is the find? Is it just a, like a quick thing, like in no man's sky right. where you find the species in the planet and that's all she wrote. You get your little paycheck. Right. Or is it like, if you get enough of these, can you get some, I think they did mention that uh, collecting enough samples does help right. for something, but I just, I'd like to know a bit more about what that could be. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like in the, in the, in that first dev diary, they talked about that, like, um, exobiology or, you know, would be a thing, uh, as, yes, as a it, career a new rank. So, yes. So it, it'll be neat to see how that, how those things kind of like cross over, yeah. um, how those things interact, like do, does finding more of them, like, you know, of course it'll give you more experience, but like the more you find of something, do you become kind of like an expert in that? So as you collect them, you get more credit for them, or is it the opposite where it just gets rarer and rarer and harder to find? Yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting mechanic to play around with and kind of experiment with. And I think the other interesting element is going to be if you find like a massive cluster of something, like assuming that the items on a planet are consistent, like they're procedurally generated, but once they're generated, they stay there. Uh, I'm wondering if like we get an equivalent of a crystalline shard cluster found somewhere for the huh. exobiology section. Will we be able to report that to the community yeah. and have them take advantage of it? That's a good question. I mean, there would almost have to be like the equivalent of either that or we would they would need to make the equivalent of like hot spots on the ground or for these uh, exobiology kind of finds mm. either either persistent like the crystal shard stuff or like um, in some way similar to the rings where you find like a hot spot of them and, you know, it's somehow labeled. You can go there and over a certain amount of time they would regenerate. Right, kind of like deep core rocks, kind of just magically super gluing themselves back together right. after a few days. It's magic. It's space magic, but space magic you know, with exobiology. <laughs> oh man, um, do you? Uh, we we talked a little bit about Star Trek Online, but um, is there anything else you play when you're not playing Elite? Uh yeah. Occasionally, I'm uh, as uh, to kind of keep my piloting um, skills in check. I play a bit of Ace Combat. Um, flight games there um still occasionally playing ever the uh, first ever space while i'm waiting for the second one to come out uh i'm also just getting back into star wars the old republic because i haven't finished uh i've never finished up my first uh class story now i want to go through all eight of them because apparently the stories are really good oh nice um but i just haven't gone around to it yet so i've got a few things that are on my to-do list i'm just kind of gradually cracking away at them I also, uh, I do enjoy randomizers right. of some older games. Uh, right now, the two randomizers I play are Metroid Prime 2 Echoes and Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh, Ori is such a good game. Yeah, Ori's, Ori randomizer is really good. So for those of us who don't know, i.e. me, what, what, do, you, what do you mean <laughs> by a randomizer? So um, Metroid Prime 2 and Ori in the Blind Forest are what we call Metroidvania games, where essentially... Uh, you're in this environment, but in order to progress to different areas, you need to collect certain power-ups. So the randomizer shuffles these items to, from their normal locations and puts them elsewhere. Right. Okay. And so the the path through the game is not the same every time, essentially. Okay. And it, it's actually quite impressive uh, what goes into making sure these randomizers work. Uh, they use what's called logic. And that essentially dictates, hey, can you get this item with this set of gear, or is the seed beatable uh, once it's generated? 
it essentially makes sure if it does generate a seed that it, uh, given the specs uh, outlined by the player, um, the seed can be completed. Oh, that's really it's cool. Rather than like, well, then getting halfway through you and needed- going, well, I'm fluffed. I can't do anything. <laughs> uh, well, or the item you need to get by uh, a certain room is the uh, locked behind itself. Okay. Right. That would be my luck. I would run across <laughs> that say, situation all the time. Let's, <laughs> let, let's just uh, take it in elite terms, for example. Say you needed a, you know, a missile rack to break a missile uh, door, but the missile rack item itself was behind the missile door. Mm. Right. Uh, then you're basically screwed. So that's what logic makes, uh, for the most part, tries to do. I mean, there, there are, of course, bugs with it because um, you can never get them all all the time. It's uh, come up a few times, but generally the logic does a good job of making sure a seed is completable. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. I think I think that about draws us to the end of what we would call our normal questions and um, jumps us over to the lightning round. Oh, boy. This, this isn't anything to be <laughs> concerned about in any way. Um, we'll throw it in at the end um, just for a bit of fun um, if you can please try to answer as quickly and as accurately she says in inverted commas um, as possible so if you're <laughs> it's all elite but elite dangerous related so don't worry about it okay <laughs> if if you're about ready we shall begin uh, alright here goes nothing what's your favourite ship uh, Diamondback Explorer and your least favourite ship ooh that would have to be Asp Scout Best ship. Best ship, I would say Corvette. What's the worst ship in the game? Worst ship in the game? Probably Cobra Mark IV, just because nobody, a lot of people these days don't have it. What's your favorite station? Station, I would say. Do, do, do. Uh. I'm trying to think. I know what it is. It's the one near Omicron or St. Majoris, Asimov Dock. It's uh, in Omicron or Majoris near that Hazrez that I was mentioning. Perfect for gassing nice. up and heading back. Your favorite system? System. Probably probably the outtot systems that have the crystalline shards. True or false? There is a free anaconda at Hutton Orbital. False. <laughs> Do you use engineered or vanilla modules in your ships? Engineered all the way. Alliance, Federation, Empire, or Independent? Independent. Who is your favorite power play leader? Probably Ashling Duval at the moment. If you run out of gas, do you call the fuel rats or do you suicide? Call the fuel rats. If you have a low hull, do you call the whole seals? Do you keep going or do you suicide? Keep going. Carefully, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) There is a free fleet carrier at Beagle Point. I wasn't aware that even became a meme at this point. False. (laughs) (laughs) Thargoids, friend, foe, or undetermined? Undetermined, but also misunderstood. And finally, flight assist, on or off? On, unless someone wants me to do an off landing. (laughs) Or I'm in in the middle of a, uh, or an enemy is circle jerking me really bad. Fair. Fair, good point. Very good point. (laughs) Nice. Is there anything we haven't talked about today that you would like to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered um, all my pieces, I wanted to say. 
Awesome. Awesome. Ooh. So if anybody would like to connect with you further or get to know you better, where can they find you online? Uh, well, they can find me on stream, uh, twitch.tv slash captainmd13. Uh, on that channel, there is also a link to my YouTube channel, which really doesn't, um, it's more so um, contains like quickie videos and some older live streams, but um, there is a YouTube channel there. Uh, I do also have a Twitter, which is also linked in the uh, banners below that's the stream. Uh, the Twitter handle is, if I can find it, it's a uh, at Captain MD underscore 13. Um, so you can um, follow me there. Usually um, I'll post go live announcements and um, general things to come regarding the stream for uh, that. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. That hour flew by. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that was a blast. It was, yes. Thank you so much for having me on. You're more than welcome. Of course. I can't believe that I was, I raided into a second stream. I cannot believe that. That is really cool. (laughs) I love it. I really do. I think it's, it's, it's really nice. It's such a nice feeling to have to have to have done that and for him to have had that yeah that experience and to have that connection. I love it. I love it. That and what, is really what neat. a lovely chat. What a yeah. great chat. Yeah, I've uh, I've hung out in his stream uh, quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I know he's he's come over and hang hung out in mine um, quite a few times as well. So it's it's nice to get to. Um, it's the it's the same kind of feeling I had after talking with uh with uh Commander Picard of Mission Farsight. Yeah. It's just that it's somebody that I've that I've interacted with a lot, but I haven't had the chance to sit down and actually talk to mm-hmm. on voice before. So it was it was it was really cool to get to do that. It's really nice to have that sort of one on one on one, one on two time. Um, actually mm-hmm. having a conversation rather than, and I think we've touched on this before a few times, rather than um, typing something in chat and waiting for somebody to respond. You know, yeah. and these are like our normal, the normal interactions that we have with a lot of people who are fellow content creators are typing something in chat, waiting for them to respond, typing something back in chat, um, rather than just like, just sitting and talking, talking about our experiences and talking yeah. about the stuff we're looking forward to and sharing, yeah. sharing a love in a, um, a lot much more reciprocal place, which is, um, just chatting away, you know, the, and the, yeah. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for flight assist to have that opportunity to be able to speak, not only to those sort of commanders who we know, but also, on right. the flip side of that, the other commanders who are um that we don't know and we can get to get yeah. to find out a little bit more about. It's, yeah. It's I don't for me, I don't think that this is ever gonna get old. <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think you're exactly right. It's just yeah. it's a it's a unique position, it's a unique feeling, and it's just it's good. And and I like the fact that uh, that the people that we have on the podcast and the people that we have listening feel the same way about it. That, mm. That's that's one of the things that I, I like the most. I hope that continues because I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'd probably still make time to sit and talk to people on a one-on-one basis 
even if you weren't listening. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very true. Very true. Oh, I think I think there's there's a lot to be said to actually just sitting in a sitting in a voice call with someone rather than um rather than DMing and stuff, I think. Or or like just like for example, the messaging and um as I said earlier, like, oh, or if I've got a problem or is that if I'm going off on one about something rather than the back and forth through messaging, maybe, maybe something going forward would be, okay, let's actually sit down and talk about, talk about this rather than, yeah, rather than go to messaging. I think, um, and this is on a complete tangent now. I think we can be really uh conversation when we're tap tap tapping away can be really stale and it's difficult to, yeah. to completely difficult to convey tone as well. Um Yeah, I struggle with that a lot with with mm. reading tone and messages. I'm like, I have to bounce things off of you and Crispy and Crow and yeah. all these other people all the time because I'm like, is this person saying what I think they're saying, or are they saying something completely different? Yeah. And I'm just <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's one of the one of the problems that we have is that um it's very it's very difficult to have like even on Twitch there's that one sided conversation and you don't when you're when you're streaming you you can watch, look over um a message but you can read it wrong occasionally mm-hmm. and uh, and, yep, and stuff like that true. it's very it's for it's <laughs> it, it's a very sort of rewarding thing to be able to be able to sit down and and talk with someone. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that's all for this week. You can browse episodes and check out more information about the podcast at our website, flightassistpodcast.com. And you can stay up to date by following us on Twitter at flightassist underscore ed. Remember, this podcast is all about commanders and communities, and that means you. We'd love to hear the questions you want us to ask our guests. And if you're an elite dangerous commander who wants to be a guest on the podcast, or if you'd like to nominate a commander to be our guest, we need to know that too. Send us your questions and information on Twitter by tagging flightassist underscore ed, by email to info at flightassistpodcast.com, via our Discord at discord.io slash flightassist, or by dropping us a line using the contact form on our website. If you would like to support the podcast and get access to exclusive content at the same time, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash flightassist. Until next week, this is Commander Psykit and Commander Mal for the win, handing the controls back to you. Flight Assist off. With thanks to our Flight Officer Patrons, Baron Von Marlen, Cal Noodles, Dirty Filthy Hippo, Elvis Kremen, Jonathan Turner, Caldra, Not Me Mister, Stella Wizard 66, Timis V2, Tomax 99 and Janky Cabbage. <laughs>